Welcome to Shotgun Story, the podcast that has conversations with indie creators about music, meaning, and the point of it all, so that you may be inspired by the journeys of other artists who are doing it for themselves, and maybe gain a little more understanding as to why it matters quite so much that you keep creating. Maddie Behrens is a folk, indie, rock, pop singer based here in Joburg, and she's coming to studio to have a little chat. How's it? Hi! <laughs> Yay, on such a cold morning as well. Yeah, it was the first time I've decided to get up and do exercise. <gasps> 5.30? No. I did it. Oh my gosh, you are so brave. No, the cold is the one thing that is putting me off. Yeah, I was like, I saw the cold and I was like, you know what, let's just push through, let's just do it. If you are an exercise person, actually, there's a Ponty Run climb this weekend. I'll tell my brother. <laughs> He's more. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Your relationship with music, is it full-time, is it part-time, or is it complicated? It's a little bit complicated. Mm-hmm. I'm actually studying psychology right now. Okay. So I'm like full-time student, half-time musician. Okay. So it seems like studies is taking up a lot of everything. It does. But slowly getting back into the music scene, trying to dip my toe where I enjoy involving myself with like good people and good music. So cool. <laughs> I mean, you do play with some good people. You have um, a nice scene yeah. that's happening in Joburg at the moment and you are very much a part of it. Yeah. So now give us a brief synopsis of your musical background. So kind of starts a little bit with you. Ah, you're involved in the mix and match of it. But one of the last times we chatted, I told you that I watched you and our friend Deep Fried Man perform at White Mountain Folk Festival. I think I was 13. Amazing. And one of my parents' good friends was a musician. And he actually said, like, I'm playing with my band. You should come and join us. And we like kept going, like I think that was 2007, 2008, 2009. And then we moved up here in those few years in between. And we still went to White Mountain Folk Festival. And from there, I just like started playing there, reached out to Splashy Fen, played at Splashy Fen, I've played at Opie Copy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh gosh, I miss Opie Copy. <laughs> yeah. I only went to two and it was, I was quite happy to like play at the, the original stage, Top Bar. Yeah. And like, only realized that after meeting my husband and his group of friends of people, I played in the same lineup as our friends Wolfgang Marrow. No. At that, like, I think it was 2017 Opie Oh my gosh. And that's like, amazing. I remember this interaction. I was like, this is like, this lady with this crazy hair is so lovely and exciting and I love her energy. And then never spoke to her again until 2019. I was like, oh my gosh, I know you. I love how it connects us. Yeah. So now you've played the festivals. Have you released any music yet? I have a couple songs from seven years ago, six years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I have a few songs with my band that I have with my husband. We released those 2019, 2020. And what's the band's name? Tokyo Sex Whale. No, Tokyo Kills Whale. <laughs> <laughs> it was based off based of Sex Whale. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> And uh, your husband's in a band too, hey? Yes. He's been in like the metal scene in Bloemfontein since he was about 12, the first time he joined a band. 
And from there, he progressively played in quite a few bands, and now he's part of the Tasers. Okay, and they've been doing some European touring, eh? Yeah, they're going again. They came back in March, and they're going again in December. Are you going with? No. <laughs> Someone has to feed all our pets and cats. Mm-hmm. And study, I guess. And study, yeah. Three highlights of your career so far. One was busking in Washington Square Park about five years ago. One of actually my biggest highlights was getting into busking and I approached a market in town and I said like, hey, can I busk outside the entrance here? And they're like, what does busking mean? And I was just like, okay, can I pop out a guitar case and play? And they're like, yeah, sure. And then like did it for a couple months and I hung out in the area afterwards and then there's a saxophone player that comes and like jams throughout the street and through the alleys and the sound like just reverberates everywhere mm. and then someone else comes to join and play and then I was like hey I s- kind of started that as a 17 year old <laughs> that so, is amazing <laughs> were you living in New York I was volunteering at or I did the summer camps work mm-hmm. and I was working at a special needs camp in upstate New York wonderful basking is brave <laughs> I mean that is the second brave thing so far that you've done on the podcast, getting up early to exercise <laughs> in this weather and that. I I find busking terrifying, actually. I built my career from the form of busking. So actually, like, my happy place is sitting up at a market and just playing for, like, two or three hours. Mm-hmm. And it's covers and originals and everything in between and not even plugged up or anything, just guitar and voice. That's wonderful. I started that when I was 16, 17, and my dad used to take me to like Tuesday night music clubs, even TJ's mm-hmm. in Mark's Park, quite a few places. Wonderful. Yeah. Speaking of, because TJ's is a folk club. Yeah. Right. And one of the things that I'm thinking a lot about at the moment is that as South Africans, we don't have a folk music mm. of our own. So I'm intrigued by the subject of that. What do you think was your folk music? What was the music that you were raised on? I think the folk aspect in South African terms was very bluesy. Mm -hmm. So it was a lot of like the Midlands side of things. So I grew up in northern KwaZulu-Natal, near the border of Free State, but like far, far away from where anyone really actually realizes. Like you say you're from KwaZulu-Natal and they just think Durban. That's like... Um, two and a half hours closer to Joburg than four and a half hours from Durban. Oh, wow. And yeah, we grew up with quite like a few of like the pop stars would come through for the annual town's party. It used to be a farm. So yeah, we used to have like a lot of big bands come through. Pime Circle would play in the town. And then a friend of ours would always bring in these little bit of like alternative, heavier, bluesy, grass kind of musicians mm. and perform at the local bar. And then he'd invite us out to go to these festivals and mm. we'd be exposed to a bit more. So it was very much like that blues genre, tiny bit of country, but also like slotting in a little bit of rock and then heavy, like heavier rock and pop. Yeah. So it's quite like complete array of other genres that I consider to be folk music in South Africa. And as a kid, what kind of music did you used to listen to? I mean, so for instance, a folk music would be if you were Irish, the old Irish jigs. I mean, folk music is Danny Boy and Mull of Kintyre and all of those. But like, yeah, what what are they, you know? 
Yeah, well, I actually have a very um, heavily rock-based, like, upbringing with music. My dad, he was, like, his family was very well-known. Like, you go visit the Barons' house in town, mm -hmm. like, there's always music playing. <laughs> my opa used to, like, shout at my uncle and say, like, turn that music down. And he'd put it all the way up to full volume, go back to the original thing, and my opa would be like, great, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a bit of, like naughty hooligans like what you kind of imagine what would happen in the 70s and 80s yeah. with music and it was a lot of pink floyd my uncle liked acdc quite a bit black sabbath a lot of rolling stones and then a lot of led zeppelin mm. and then from there it built up to like listening to a few of like the pop rock genres that were popping up so we actually followed the killers from their first album and ah. the strokes and even Coldplay, and then Opposite side of that is also Alanis Morissette, Sheryl Crow, a few other like uh, Fiona Apple, like quite like big songwriters as yeah. females as well. So a little bit more along the pop aspect, but still like deep rooted in rock. That's lucky. <laughs> lucky to be exposed to it so young. Yeah. Pink Floyd, there'd be a guitar solo and I asked my dad, like, why is the guitar crying? <laughs> so it's still Sweet. held over my head a bit. <laughs> Oh, that's lovely. What drives you to create? I think it's just the way I express. Like I've been thinking about this a lot, like especially studying psychology and trying to understand just how people process things. Mm. I'm definitely like an outwardly expressive person. Like my black guitar that I grew up with is my best friend because it listened to every single thing I've ever written. Yeah. <laughs> so it's it's that expression that is my diary. Like songwriting is my entire form of diarizing. And I do journal at times and write poetry and everything, but like that true sense of release is just sitting down, playing some chords and then words just word vomit out of you. Yeah. I was going to ask about your songwriting process, but there you have it. Yeah, that plus waking up at midnight or like not being able to sleep and like sneaking off my parents' basement and recording at like one in the morning with my phone. That is hilarious. I totally did that last night. <laughs> a 1 a.m. recording, <laughs> layering harmonies. Garage Band has been one of the best things. Yeah, that access to just creating. Totally. In your own hands. Yeah. We're approaching Women's Month. Which makes me think a lot about how the music industry is quite male-dominated. That's no secret. Have you found your experience as a woman different, do you think? Very much. So with women in the music industry, I think especially as playing as a more solo type of like venture and doing the small bars and cafes, farmers markets, like you come into contact with a lot of men in the industry that are trying to help in a way, but mm. also demean you at the same time. Mm. And I also found that playing with a lot of people, even playing with other women, there's like this a type of competition that just like occurs. It's like, oh, how many gigs do you have this month and, or like this weekend? And it's like, oh, I just have like this in a wedding or like mm. there's a slight like underlying like, I'm doing X amount of things, comparing it to you who's not doing a lot of things, I'm doing better. Like there was like these slight little 
nuances of competition and it's just like it made me tired of interacting with those people which is why I've completely taken a step back from doing just like very minimal performances Mm -hmm. and like it it has taken a bit of a toll because I love performing but I think I found a niche within performing where it's I'm interacting with clients, working in like either corporate or events like weddings, funerals, baby showers, Mm. and I get to know the person personally. So I much prefer curating and interacting within people Mm. and like having my own control over my music than necessarily working within the industry and like putting out pop music or like setting out singles and all this other dynamic and drama <laughs> that you have to deal with just because totally. it's exhausting. I mean, you know, there are a lot of women in the industry who are not competitive with each other. Yeah. Yeah. That's why like, I like that I gravitated towards you and also Wolfgang Marrow and Jolene. <laughs> and I like the sense of like, we're all sort of in it and we all support each other. Yeah. And it's taken a while to find this group of people. What's so nice, and that brings us very nicely into Galpalooza, which is a music festival that we're all playing on together, all women who are of the same ethos. Yes, I think that's a great word for it. And in fact, tell me a bit about Galpalooza. It's a bit of a play on the words with Lalapalooza. Mm-hmm. It's inviting this idea of a festival and especially for Women's Month, Galpalooza. And it's not necessarily for women, it's for everyone. We're just advertising that there is a strength in music from this feminine perspective. And we have a lot of men helping us out and everything, but this is all headed by Jolene, mm-hmm. our good friend from Jolling. And I just, I'm getting a bit of goosebumps. <laughs> I just see the hard work and effort put in by a few people on the team. And it's actually very heartwarming to see that this one person has created a space for all these other people to come and be part of and join and just make something special out of that. It's very fucking special. Yeah. Yeah. I feel lucky to know all of you. Yeah. Your next steps. Musically, I mean, I know you're studying right now, but what vision do you have for your music? That's what I've been grappling with for a while. It's like, what do I want to put out there? Mm. Like, what would I like to advertise of myself? What ideas and thoughts do I want to put in people's minds? I find that I fall into that bit of like that Taylor Swift trope of writing quite a few like very sad, very depressing songs and like, it is based on your interactions and people and everything, but like, do I want to put those ideas into people's heads? So I want to sing and perform and just be who I am, who I've always sort of been. And I've been grappling with like my life events that have influenced the way I've written music. And like it does get quite like depressing and dark. Mm. And that is like you can have those songs. There are choice times when you can utilize them and put them in as like this is part of me. But like I kind of just feel like it's been quite overwhelmed by that. And it feels like 99% of my music is that. Mm. So not trying to reinvent myself, but just trying to take a different 
aspect of writing. So I'm trying to challenge myself in writing in a different way or like taking some other type of like process of writing. So right now it's very much finding my feet again of what do I want to put out into the world. Yeah. And it's been quite a struggle on that decision or not decision on that evolvement. So what I think is quite wonderful is your psychology background because they work so symbiotically together is what you're doing with the music and with the psychology. And I sometimes think that, and in fact, I heard this said a long time ago, is that you first have to write your autobiography. And once you get that out of your system, it clears the decks for everything else. So I think the next natural step will be that when you have got this out. And I feel like I have enough to release an album over all the years, but it's also like I can go into that archive and catalog or I can just move forward into the future and Mm. rather like create something that's more up to date with where I am. Yeah. So that's also what I've been struggling with. Like, do I pull from this back catalog or do I perform what I wrote like three months ago? It's tricky. Yeah. (laughs) But I, I mean, Mostly I'd say perform where you're at, Mm. but sometimes there's some goodies that come from that catalog. Yeah. It's like I have those sort of like flagged and colored art and like I have them for when that time comes when like I can put them out. So they are there. I just need to actually get my ass in order and do it. Mm -hmm. So I think what I tell anyone who's just trying to create and little Maddie is just go for it. That all these feelings building up to the point where you have to go through with it are good signs. And you should be nervous and you should be scared because once you overcome it, that gratifying feeling is what pushes you forward to do the next step and the next scary thing. I think that we have established three times now that you are fucking brave. (laughs) I love that. Local musical hero, dead or alive? Sid Kitchen. Yes. <laughs> I love that you said that. <laughs> like he was probably, he's actually probably the most folky type of genre, like mm-hmm. his his whole encompassing type of aura. And I, I think of Sid Kitchen and I think like that first time I went to a music festival and I just think of how much fun he made it on stage and how much fun he was off stage and with everybody and he's just he was all encompassing like who he was through and through and I think even having his little Sid Kitchen Avenue in Splashy Fen is such a big ode to the man yeah like it makes my heart sore that he passed away so suddenly and yeah he had a massive impact yeah in fact I recently found a paper he wrote online on the folk music scene in South Africa. And that yeah. must have been, gosh, in the 90s that he wrote that paper. I'm going to find it, it. It's been about 10 years since he passed. Yeah. I'm going to find this paper and I'm going to send it to you. Thank you. It was like a thesis, I think. What did you listen to en route, yeah? I was actually listening to a podcast. <laughs> Tell us more. Um, it's the macabre, the mm. last podcast on the left. They talk about the macabre they talk about the heavy serial killers they call them heavy hitters they talk about everything they're on this whole aliens 
like rude now that you, like it's ufology is now a thing and they're happy to go along and give everyone the right information air quote <laughs> um but they do weekly side stories and they just talk about like all these strange occurrences that have happened throughout the week in the world and even like a little bit of political like unrest and a little bit of everything in between and the best part of it is they do hero of the week and it's either like a dog that like did a lassie thing and saved a kid from a well or <laughs> however like weird the situation is but they take like these dark topics and they're comedians and they throw in laughter and touch on subjects that like normal people wouldn't really touch on but they bring it in with a laugh and kind of just breaks the mundanity of bad news inflow and yeah wonderful <laughs> wonderful and actually a surprising amount of musicians don't listen to music meaninglessly in their car whilst they're driving mm. instead rather intently actually listening when they are listening it's cool like sitting with the music instead of just like having it in background yeah yeah there are also studies on that but I don't know enough to actually quote them. <laughs> so I shan't. All I know is during, like, in high school, I put the soundtrack for Lord of the Rings in because, like, <laughs> it was an eight-hour art exam. So, like, pop the Lord of the Rings theme on. It's not something I can sing along to, but it's something I enjoy and I love. And I can be a hobbit or I can be a Nazgul. <laughs> That's wonderful. <laughs> and just go through the motions without actually having to think about the song and the lyrics and how it's making me feel. I just know I'm in Lord of the Rings world. <laughs> Fabulous. And did you find your results in your art exam better than expected because of it? Yeah. Art was my highest subject. <laughs> so they're going music all the yeah. way. Yeah. Thank you for coming. Thank you so much for having me. And I look forward to the lineups we'll play on together. Yes. If you are an independent artist whose passion for what you do can inspire or fuel others, get in touch. I'd love to chat. You can find me on shotguntory.com. You've been listening to another production from Solid Gold Podcasts. I was in the corner playing my guitar. You looked up to the way I sang. Left a note with your number. And a scroll said cliche of the day. If birds could fly, they'd sing your name. I'm good to die. Just to know your face If birds could fly They'd sing your name I was by a window Playing some guitar You looked up to the way I sang Listen closely and grab my hand As we were spinning I heard you
strumming your guitar You looked up to the way I sang Some words from long ago But they never made much sense Screaming, if birds could fly They'd sing you 